2: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, August sixth, two thousand nineteen, and we've certainly seen some volatility, have we not? Some pretty big volatility here in the month of August. Well, that was to be expected, and I'm, you know, we did talk about that was going to become more volatile, and now that the earnings season has passed, and we have a trade dispute heating up with China, and we have no longer the Fed lowering interest rates coming shortly the market's gonna take its own turn and it's turned volatile. Simple as that. And some mostly the down volatility. But we'll see. I mean it's not it's not something to get too upset about. I mean the market is overdue for a correction. And a normal correction is ten percent. We've only been down five percent, maybe maybe six, depending on which index you're looking. So that's what we're dealing with today. there's lots of variables. I'm Steve Peasley and I thank you for joining me today and I certainly hope you'll call me as well. Remember we talk any, talk about anything financial. and when you call me and you ask your financial questions, you drive the show in the direction you want to go. and that's the whole that's the whole premise of the show. And of course our goal is financial freedom for everybody. so we want to educate ourselves. And, and that's why your questions are so important. They tell me where you want to be. Of course, I will talk about lots of different things. But, you know, you drive the show. And, of course, I do my best to put you on that path, to get you on that path of financial freedom with advice and information that I hope you will use and can use. To do that, you got to call. Our number is 888-99-CHART. We're live Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. And so you can call right now, 888-99-CHART. And if you live in the New York area, well, I will be there on September. Take a look at your portfolio. Talk about, you know, where you are in your financial life. On your path to that goal of financial freedom, where are you and how we get there? And that'll be September 19th and the 20th. And I am taking appointments now. They're pretty, pretty full. So if you want to get one of the last slots, you better do it fairly soon. I will probably make another trip there. We're thinking in beginning of November before the holidays. But, you know, if you want to get a hold of me and sit down with me, that's the time to do it. Right now for our September meeting, but you do have to you know go to investor..com send me an email. You gotta pick this. You gotta reserve the slot, the time slot. My main talking point today concerns a story. Ten wor- trade worries have weighed on business orders and the outlook for the overall economy, with the result that U.S. services growth has slowed. Notice the growth has slowed. In other words, we're still growing. We're just growing slower. It has grown at the weakest rate since 2016. We're talking about the ISM numbers for the service sector, not the manufacturing sector. That's also slow, but that's not what we're talking about today. And, of course, i got other things. Did you see Disney come out with its bundle, streaming bundle, what it's offering and how much? Yeah, We'll talk about that. Do you have good debt or bad debt? Do you know the difference? Do you have good debt or bad debt, or maybe you have no debt at all? That'd be even better. But we're going to discuss that. And what's the best job in America? What is the best job in America, and can you get it? <laughs> so that, there's a there's a uh, uh, there's a there's a best job in America based on you know satisfaction, uh, salary and number of job openings. So what is that? So, well, those are the talking points I'm going to discuss. Of course, you drive the show anywhere you want to. What's your talking point? Uh, The market was up. It bounced up. The Dow went up 311 points. After her big down day yesterday, it bounced. The Nasdaq up 107, and the S&P up 37. Now, if you've listened to the show at any length of time, you know that when it goes too far in one direction too fast, it always bounces. If it goes too far in one direction over any length of time, it will always go back. It, it always reverts to the mean. It's, it, we just don't know when. We don't. And you know over time the market has an upward bias going up between 7 to 10% annually. You know, and that of course you got to add in the dividends. That seven to ten includes dividends. So that's that's what you're dealing with. So you have to know that when it's really big down one day, chances are pretty high that a bounce, and that's what we had today—a bounce. Doesn't mean that the the uh, correction is over. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that any big move down or up is usually a, a counter move to that. Okay, so. Why don't we go ahead and start taking a, taking a call? Here's uh, and that's what you know. That's all the plans we have today. But here's a question that came in our anytime listener line number that people leave and a question eight 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 ninety nine chart.
3: Hey Stephen Justin, this is Ron in San Diego. I love the show. Just calling about uh, Pfizer ticker symbol PFE. Uh, it sold off big time in the last two days uh, after announcing their deal with myelin. Been waiting for it to get uh, down to these levels for some time. Uh, just wanted to get your take on the fundamentals, um, whether or not you thought now was a good time to take a, a quarter or a half position, potentially buy more once it looks like it's putting in a bottom. i Would love to get your take. Thanks, guys. Oh, my. Uh, well, outlook is long term, looking to hold it for ten to twenty years. Thanks. Bye.
2: Yeah, so Pfizer has gone from the low to mid forties down to thirty six ninety five and I did that in the last couple of weeks. So for Pfizer that's a pretty big move. Pfizer is a two hundred five billion dollar company. Uh, income is pretty darn steady. 2018, two dollars and ninety-five cents a share. This year, this year, it's going to be two dollars and eighty-five cents, and then next year, two dollars and eighty-nine cents. So, you know, that's what it, it's now paying a three point nine percent dividend yield. PE, rate, remember, it's a thirty-six dollar stock going to make two eighty-nine. So that gives you a PE of what fifteen. Uh, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And that's the range. In the five year range, it's pretty narrow at 12 to 16. So it's great return on equity. And, you know, this is probably a decent price. Um, there's, You know, you got to go back almost two years to find that there's a lot of support right in this number, right around the mid 30s. Um, it rarely goes down to the low 30s. So you have to go back four or five years to get that. So, yeah, this is probably a pretty decent price to pick it up. The fundamentals are strong. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Sales are have been growing 1% to 4% in the last two years every quarter. In the most recent quarter, just reported, sales actually fell 2%. That's why this big fall. Okay, and the price from 41 36 37 And for Pfizer, that's a big fall. It's just it's a pretty steady fall. But it's probably a good time to pick it up too. So I like Pfizer long term. It's never gonna be, you know, huge growth. It's not. You're gonna get that four percent dividend and you'll probably get another five percent increase in price. Yeah, you know, it's not gonna be exciting. It just isn't. That's okay though. It doesn't have to be. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley and we're and we present this program with five new shows each week. Day, Monday through Friday, and has a broadcast streaming live in our four o'clock hour Pacific time. So I hope you will tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk. Justin Klein and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive. We really do. And whenever you have investment questions, well, I encourage you to explore our podcast library. So each listen, so each listen, subscribe and rate the. The Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, if you would. And now I'm taking their questions live at 888 99 Chart.
0: The trading month so far has been volatile. You are working toward financial freedom and you might want a little help. So Steve Peasley is here taking your questions now. Call Invest Talk.
2: 888 chart 888-992-4278. So let's take a quick look at some of the benchmarks. 10-year treasury. 10-year treasury yield at 1.76. Two years, 1.75. It was at 1.77 yesterday. So we have there that inversion going on, and that always has been indicative of a recession. Doesn't mean it always has to have, but it's not a good sign. Gold at $1484 an ounce. You know, it's been rising. And Bitcoin's at $11,731. Uh, Bitcoin is something, you know, you should just stay away from as an investment. Oil, $55 per barrel. Not much changing there. It's been around that area for some time. We had 7.3 million job openings in June. Now, this is indicative of a very strong job market. But according to the Labor Department, job openings edged a bit lower in June as the labor market continues to tighten meaning there's pretty much full employment, by the way. Employment, employment vacancies fell to 7.3 million from 7.38 million in May, so a small fall. As computer, computed by the Job Openings Labor Department, turnover survey, by the way, the so-called JOLTS report is closely watched by Federal Reserve policymakers as a measure for slack in the labor market. We really don't have much slack the change in job openings left the gap between vacancies and those considered un- unemployed to 1.37 million and that was a de- decrease of 123,000 from may so employment you know unemployed workers really you know don't as defined by this survey you know uh, there's not they they can find a job so it's not it's still a pretty strong labor market. I mean a uh, job market. Not a lot of slack. Not a lot of slack in the labor market, everybody. So remember the unemployment rate is at 3.6% in July. There is a skills gap though. You know, the jobs that are trying to match up, people don't have the skills for. And that's where the issue is, is why is our job openings and unemployed? because there's a skill mismatch. So, anyways, as part of our investment strategy, are you depending on the performance of a pension fund? Well, many of Americans' pension funds fell short in 2019. There's not too many pension funds out there. But, you know, pension funds have to perform to keep, you know, they got to make money to keep paying the pensions or they're going to have a shortfall in the cash. Pensions can go out of business, you know. They're not guaranteed. There's a part of them are guaranteed, but not all of it is guaranteed. The Wall Street Journal reported that public pensions with more than a billion in assets earned a return of 6.7 percent for the year ending June 30th, and that is the lowest since 2016. So, you know, the circumstances added to a burden on government entities. that got to make up the difference for promised pensions to government employees. Private pensions are different. They have they you know you had to have a company make up that difference. So what if they run out of, What if the company goes out of business? So it's interesting what's going on there. Now, over the ten year over the last ten years the pensions have annualized nine point seven percent, but not this year. I think that they're going to have to start thinking of lower returns going forward. Everybody pension plans are lower returns on their investments. You, as a pension collector, don't have to worry about it too much, but you know, pension providers do. So, think about that yeah, if you're, you know, in a government pension plan. It's, a, it's an issue that you have to think about and worry about, by the way. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and if you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you have heard me say that uh, you investors have to have, have to understand your own personal risk tolerance. And we do have a tool at InvestTalk to do that. If you go to InvestTalk.com and take the uh, Riskalyze little questionnaire, it's quickly and easily can calculate your risk, everybody. It's called Riskalyze at InvestTalk.com. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART.
0: This is InvestTalk. And now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Steve is here. He's taking your calls live. Step up with your questions now.
2: 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk. Love to talk to you. My main talking point today concerns trade worries. They put, worries, uh, put pressure on business orders and the outlook for the overall economy, maybe. Maybe there's pressure downward with the result that U.S. services growth has slowed. Services, you know, service, there's two parts of our economy, services and manufacturing. Okay, so services is the main business that we do here in California in the United States. It It, it, is, it is the main driver representing the bulk of our economy. So service sector is more important than the manufacturing sector. Now, anything above 50 means that indicates that the economy is expanding, and the service sector is at 53.7, but it was 55.1 the month before. So we're talking about the month-to-month report, right? And we're talking about July. So the service sector was 53.7, but it was in June, 55.1. And it was expected to be higher than 53.7. expected to be 55.5. It actually go up a little bit, and it went down. Still remember, anything above 50 it means expanding the economy. So it's not like our economy is falling into recession. It's just going to be growing slower. Okay? And that is a concern because, you know, obviously, if you're going to go into recession, it first has to slow down. Then it goes from slowing down to into shrinking below fifty. But we haven't done that yet, but that's the worry. Okay, so should we all be worried about that? Put put it's very simple. If if the consumer continues to have a job and continues to spend, the service sector will go will go up. The economy will not go into recession. It's that simple. It's not a rocket science. As long as the service sector and the manufacturer, but more important, the service sector stays above 50, you'll be fine. And that will stay above 50 as long as the consumer continues to spend. He's 66 to 70% of the economy. If he has a job and can spend, things will be fine. So, We'll see. If the consumer starts to freak out about anything, trade or anything, and stops spending, closes up his wallet or his purse, we're toast. We're going to move into a recession. It's that simple. The consumer is driving our economy. It's up to them. Okay, so let's go to Dave in Salt Lake City. who wants to talk about dividends. How you doing, Dave?
4: Hi, how you doing? Uh, love the show. I just have a question. You Thank guys, or I've heard you say in the past that concerning dividends, um, anything over 5 or 6% is probably unsustainable and not a good idea, right?
2: Well, it depends because you got some that are very sustainable like AT&T and Philip Morris and Ultra Group. They can sustain. They can sustain because it's not that big. It's always a, a percentage of the of the of the earnings. But normally, yes, you're right. If the dividend is too high, they're not sustainable. Most companies can't sustain that kind of high dividend. Most cannot.
4: Okay, okay. And so my question is: Does that same general rule apply to the ETF side?
2: Yes, yes. Because ETFs are buying uh-huh. stocks. Right, They're buying the stocks, the underlying stocks that, that produce the dividend. So the answer would be yes, in general, yes. They can't sustain it. Okay. Okay? Thanks, Dave. Appreciate the call. Good question about dividends. Al in Virginia, you want to talk about negative interest rates or negative rates? Sure. Let's talk about that.
4: Hi, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. So I'm puzzled by the German Bund. Right now it's paying Mm -hmm. negative 0.5%. If I get that right, that means if I put in a thousand, I'm going to get 950 back. And I just don't understand why anybody would do that. It seems like you would just keep your money in the bank in cash and you're going to do better. Can you unpack that mystery?
2: (laughs) sure and that's you ex, you explained it right right by the way that's exactly right you'll get you'll have to pay the german government to own a german bond now why would anybody in your right mind do that they wouldn't but they're forced to you are a large bank in germany you're a large pension fund you're a large whatever you are required to carry safe german bonds in your portfolio you are required to have a certain number of percentage of them so you have to buy these negative rate bonds the german bonds you have to buy them you're required to keep you know a certain amount of your assets in that negative return that's how come it can be negative and why someone would be buying it they don't want to they're forced to okay so that's how that's working it's not very smart. It's not very good money. Uh, money. Uh, um, it's not a very good way to manage anything, economy or anything else, because no one wants to be in those things. No one. They don't want to volu- They don't voluntarily do it. Would you? I wouldn't. And of course, they. We We don't. We're not buying them. So who's buying them? Well, I told you. Banks are required to buy them. Pension funds are required to buy them. They're the ones buying them. On tomorrow's Invest Talk, China's central bank claims a U.S. acquisition of currency ac- accusation of currency manipulation has seriously undermined the international financial order. Right. Well, of course they would. They don't want to say that, right? They would. So, what's really going on? For 2018, in the United States, the personal savings rate amounted to 7.6%. Today, it is at a little over 8%. So, as we go to break, my market and financial trivia question is this. Looking back all the way to nineteen sixty to the start of each decade, what has been the what is the rate? What has been the rate? We'll be right back. To win,
3: all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Invest Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go to research tool? Y Charts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable.
2: YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day.
3: YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds,
2: indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YChart has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And
3: now our listeners can try YCharts for free.
2: You just
0: heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So, here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious Get Y charts. This is Invest Talk, and we are all watching the markets go up, then down. So now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Steve Peasley is here taking your questions live.
2: Call 888 99Chart. 888 992 4278. Now, before the break, I try to get in on my market trivia question. as a little bit rushed. So looking back all the way to 1960, to the start of each decade, which year between then and now had the highest personal savings rate, us, you and me, saving money, and which year had the lowest? The answer is this. In 1960, the United States' personal savings rate amounted to 10.4%. Remember, today it's 8.1%. 8.1. But the year with the highest rate was nineteen seventy with twelve point nine percent. The year with the lowest personal rate was in two thousand seven. Two thousand seven, remember that was before the Great Depression, Race recession, the Great Recession we had there, two thousand eight. It was three point six percent. So twelve point nine to three point six, and today we're at eight point one. Eight point one. So we're gonna go back to Alan Virginia. He's had another question. Remember he had uh, he had a China tariff question. Go ahead, Al.
4: Yeah, thank you, Steve. So question to you is as businesses purchase goods from China, is that being done using dollars or the Chinese currency? Because if it's the Chinese currency and let's say it devaluates ten percent and we're applying a ten percent tariff, it seems like that would balance out and the uh, you know the, the consumers in the United States would not be paying for that as if you listen to the media they keep saying that the consumer is paying for it
2: yeah you know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of misinformation going on okay yeah uh, the the Chinese that's one of the reasons why they're being accused of Gently of being a, a manipulator of their currency because they want to make the trade the the uh, the tariff as painless as possible to their economy right that's what they want to do so uh, yeah uh, in a way the tariff is being not being paid by us but also in a way it is it it's it's not a clear this is the fact a b c d equals e that's not like that you know so when we raise a tariff they try to soften the blow and then you know and and it's not necessarily coming out of our consumer's pocket but in in fact it it is to a certain degree so but it's always kind of kind of a a, a, a not a clear picture they don't you know they you know are we want to export food to them they want to export you know Tech, technical technology kind of devices to us, on and t-shirts and everything else. So it's it's not is easy question because just look at Apple. Apple alone, yeah, they make the phones there, but those components are made every place else in the world. And so where where is the the value of that Apple phone being made in China? Well. It's not as clear as people think it is. So it's a pretty d- tough question to answer, you know, black and white, Al. It's just because it's not black and white. It just isn't. But good good points, though. Thank you for bringing it up. I appreciate that. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 charters our number, 888-992-4278. Disney streaming bundle, and they just announced it, that Disney is going to uh, have Disney content, ESPN, and Hulu for $12.99 a month. That is pretty darn reasonable. And that's going to put a lot of... I mean, it's going to fly right in the face of Netflix, right? So you're going to have some, some, I think, some streaming wars going on here. Now, Disney doesn't own Hulu, but Comcast does, but Disney has an agreement with Comcast to have complete control of Hulu and its contracts. So, now, if you just want to get Disney, it's going to be like $6.99. Or you can get Disney, ESPN, and Hulu for $12.99. Hmm. A month. So, get ready for the streaming wars, everybody, because they're coming. They really are. Okay? Let's go to Tom in San Francisco. How you doing, Tom?
4: Good, Steve. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thank you for the call. Oh,
4: yeah, sure. I have a question regarding
2: the stock AES. Uh, Ah, uh-huh. What's your question?
4: Um, No, I just wanted to know your general outlook on this stock.
2: Okay. It's been beaten up the last three days, okay? It went from $17 to $15.70 in the last three days. A- AES Corporation. It is engaged in the generation and distribution of electricity over 2.4 million customers. So it's a utility. Uh, it's had a pretty good year. Started the year at three, 13 and about 40 cents, and today it's at 15.70. It got as high as 18, dollars and it pays a three and a half percent dividend. Uh, its earnings have gone down a little bit. Uh, in the last few quarters, but for the year, they're supposed to be seven percent higher this year, and then another eight percent higher next year, and that is a dollar forty-four share. And it's a fifteen-dollar stock, so you're looking at eleven dollar p eleven PE, and the five-year range is seven to fifteen. Very good return on equity at forty-two percent. Usually, utilities hold up pretty well. In, uh, in, a, in markets that are struggling. So I'm not sure why the last two or three days it fell from 1725 down to 1570, but it looks like it's trying to find support right here. So if you own it, I wouldn't sell it at this point. Uh, if you want to buy it, this might give you an opportunity and, you know, for to buy a stock that is not necessarily tied to the stock market and, the, you know, the indexes. So, it is a pretty defensive kind of position if you want to be defensive. Okay, Tom? Appreciate the call. Thank you. AES is the symbol, everybody. AES in the utility electric power generating in, in, uh, sector. Okay. Uh, um, this is Invest Talk everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and please tell your friends about KPP Financial Newsletter and the radio show, and you can, or, of course, this is, we do uh, 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 podcast this show and take out all the commercials, so you can do that, too. So I appreciate if you would tell everybody. You can uh, subscribe to our Invest Talk News Tech Newsletter if you want. Go to InvestTalk.com. It comes out every Friday. Uh, I share highlights of the newsletter and uh, from the newsletter. It gives you market news and portfolio guidance on every and a couple of stock ideas. The newsletter is pretty useful, I think. And we're taking questions now live at 888 99 Chart.
0: This is Invest Talk. We have a few important dates for serious investors. Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose on August 29th to meet one on one with listeners who understand how they can benefit from Steve's no cost portfolio review consultations. Appointments are limited, so register now. And please tell your friends and family members who live in the New York area that Steve is coming to Manhattan for two days on September 19th and 20th. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open and Steve and Justin are always happy to answer your questions. 888-99-CHART.
3: Hi, Steve. This is Brennan calling from Pittsburgh. Uh, you might have answered this question before in the past. But I was wondering, um, I'm a 26-year-old male, and I just got my own HSA. So I have a high deductible
0: health insurance.
3: I don't know how much I should contribute to an HSA every month. So I don't know if I should be contributing a small amount, nothing, just letting my employer give me you know, the little bit that they do, or should I be taking advantage of it as much as I can? Uh, looking forward to hear the answer thank you
2: well any money puts in the HSA of course you get to reduce your taxable income so you don't have to pay income tax on it so if you're in a high bracket you want to kind of put more in the HSA not less if you're you're, you're just standing down and you're not making a lot of money I would just put some I would never put none because you get to use that money for any health care you know that may not be covered on your health, any expenses of health care that you may need that may not be covered under your workers health care plan. So you have deductibles and you have you know, co-pays and things. So that's where you can use the HSA to pay those. So you always should have it and put some money away. The more money you make as, as a salaried employee the more you should contribute. But you should always put some in there. Even when you're young and you probably don't need it very much. Because someday you may need it a lot. And whatever's in there, and you can keep growing it just like an IRA, and whatever's in there, you can pay for that disaster that may happen someday. You break both your legs in a skiing accident or something, and your health insurance only pay, didn't pay the whole surgery cost, and you had to pocket, come out of pocket 10 grand. Well, that's what the HSA would be perfect for. So I would definitely put money in it. And remember, it can grow over time. So, you know, tax-free. So it's, you know, it's a good thing to do, okay? It really is. Okay, do you have good debt or bad debt? And do you know the difference? Good debt. Good debt is like mortgage debt because you're buying a property, an asset that usually increases the value. So that's good debt. Bad debt, credit card, payday loans, that's very bad debt. Those are expensive and you're not getting any asset. You're just spending more money than you have. Very bad debt. Don't do that. Get stay away from bad debt. Good debt you can ha- you can you can have. The big question is student loans bad good or bad debt. Well, it's good debt if it if you know gets you a good job. The education that you're paying for gets you a good job. It's bad debt if you're just going to college because it's fun, and you want to. That without any direction or purpose. That's bad debt student loans. So a lot of people are getting involved with student loans that they really shouldn't need. They should have never done it. You didn't need to go to a four-year college straight out of high school. You could have went to community college for the first two years and take your general ed there, which is much less cost. Maybe you could afford to pay that out of your pocket because you have a part-time job. Then you to go to the four-year. I mean, you just got to use your common sense. Too many... Young people, and too many parents of young people are sending their kids to a four-year college right out of high school, thinking, and they don't even know what they want to do with their life. That's that's not that's not rational thinking, people. It really isn't. So, good debt, bad debt. You should you can take on good debt, but should not take on bad debt, and you need to understand the difference. Simply put, credit card is bad debt, payday loan bad debt. Any debt that you take on that you don't have. Uh, don't are not gonna you're not getting equity out of in other words value then it's bad debt don't take it on now we have time to let uh, we have we have time so let's grab another call from our 99 chart voicemail student loan versus investing
3: hi Steve or Justin I'm just calling I have a general financial question I guess you could call it a general financial planning question I have my uh employer 401k that I contribute the total match plus a little bit every single paycheck. In fact, I I actually max that out usually around July. And then I also have my personal investments, much of which is guided by your show. And what I'm curious about is I still have quite a few of my student loans from getting my undergrad and my graduate degree. But what I would need to do is considering that what it feels like is we're at a high in the market, is I would almost have to sell all of my personal investments uh, nothing to do with my 401k that would of course be something i never touched but i would have to sell almost all of my personal investments and i could pay off all of my school loans i'm just trying to find out if that would be a good decision at this point in the market and of course that would be me getting out of the market and i know sometimes that's uh that's not recommended most of my school interest rates are between 6.4 percent down to 4.8 percent and so that's kind of what i'm working with i would appreciate anything and i'll listen in to, to hear what you have to say thanks a lot Bye.
2: Okay, that's actually a very good question. Where's the best place for the money? What's the best use of my money? Should I stay in investments in in the stock market? Is that the best place? We're not talking about 401k, everybody. We're talking about money outside that. Or would it be the best use of my money to pay off my student loans? Now, I'm not going to give you a clear cut answer other than I would pay off the higher debt loans. You said six point something. I would pay those loans off. But I may hold on to the lower cost loans of 4%, 4.5%, up to 5%. I may hold on to them and just pay those down slowly and keep my investments, my stock investments, because usually you can make more than that long term in the stock market. When you get up to 6%, now it's getting questionable. Should I, in my, in my mind, I would pay that higher expensive debt. Down. As long as you have no credit card debt, you don't have, you know, a card debt that's paying high, that's higher than that. You pay those off. You pay the highest debt off first. And if we're just focusing on student debt, pay the higher six percent debt off. Maybe hold on and stretch it out on the four percent debt because might be able to make you should be able to make more money, more money in the stock market over the long haul than four four and a half percent. So you see my thinking there, but of course it all depends on you and your own personal risk tolerance and what you feel comfortable with. Okay, and the market is a little on the high side. Okay, so, so apparently the line with some economists' predictions, minimum wage requirements are, are hurting workers in New York City. Why? Small businesses in New York are suffering because they have to pay employees $15 an hour. Uh, this went into it, and this went in effect on, on December 31st. So now, to control expenses, many small businesses are cutting work shifts and limiting overtime hours. Workers, are in turn, receive smaller paychecks. So, you know, raising the $15 minimum wage does not necessarily make more money for the worker. Not necessarily. It's, not, it's just not that clear. So there's other statistics and information out there about this, but it's hard to gauge and hard to know. This is Investec, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in, 888-99-CHART.
1: Does anybody successfully time the market? Why do people keep trying? Or what's your question? Why not ask it now on InvestTalk?
0: On the next Invest Talk, China's central bank claims that the U.S. accusation of currency manipulation has seriously undermined the international financial order. What's really going on here? That story tomorrow. But now, Steve Peasley is here, waiting for your questions, and he'll have answers. Call 888-99-CHART.
3: Yes, hi, Steve and Justin. This is uh, Usher. I'm calling from New Jersey. Uh, My question is in regards to the uh, Fed cutting, the interest rate by 25 basis points. Now, with this rate cut, is it the right time to buy the gold and gold etfs i'm looking for gdx which is down by about 5% would it be a good time to buy now or wait out in case it depreciates further thank you and i listen to you online
2: so his question was about a week ago and gold did fall quickly then the very next day, we got it all back, and then yesterday it rose, and now it's at twenty eight sixty seven, higher than it was before the rate cut. So, yeah, I've been saying all year, and part of the last year, that it's time; it's gold is probably going to rally, and of course, GDX is the ETF for gold miners. And yes, it has rallied, since the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year, it was trading at twenty one dollars, and now it's at twenty eight sixty seven. So, you're a little late to the party, but I still think the party is going to continue. I don't think it's going to be, you know, it's not going to double or anything like that. It's going to go up 100%, but it could easily continue up another 10% by year end, maybe 15 I think. I could be wrong, but it, I think, and it's funny because, you remember the dollar, which you can see in the chart using UUP, has gotten stronger, 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 and it just fell the last couple, three days because of the trade issues. And when it fell, of course, gold went up. But the dollar was getting stronger all year long, and so was gold, which is kind of odd. Usually, dollar going down drives gold prices up. But here is a situation where gold was going up. We had no inflation. Two of the main things that drive gold up and they weren't you know they weren't they were going in the opposite direction so the gold should not go up but yet gold went up so why was gold going up fear fear world fear fear of the trade toss fear of world economies not doing very well whatever that was driving gold up and it drove gold up most of this year okay that's how it's been Eight 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 ninety nine charters our number. My last talking point before we have to close off the day: What is the best job in America? Now, there and, and jobs that they have openings for it, that you can apply for. Well, and the salary is about on average, median salary, one hundred eight thousand a year. What is the best job? Now, they rated this best job based on salary and job satisfaction and you know job openings. Well, the Two best jobs, data scientists, those, those guys that look at data and figure out who's buying what or what is the best place, what is the people are doing in the internet or, you know, data mining, you know, getting information from all the, 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 the data in the, the cloud and software developers. You probably could have guessed that that's an area, that area is where the best jobs are for the most money. 108,000 median, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Not fantastic, but better than most jobs, right? But a lot of people are happy in those jobs too. So not bad jobs. The market bounced today. The Dow was up 311 points, the Nasdaq up 107 and the S&P was up 37 after having a pretty bad day yesterday. So, did the market make all that up? No, it did not. So, it didn't like recover all the down day of yesterday. But, you know, and it and the market has been down for instance the S&P 500 is sitting at right around uh 2881 and it was a little over 3000, you know, a week or so ago, a week and a half ago. So that's what it's down. So I expect it to be I expect to have a little bit more on the downside. And I've said in the newsletter and on the radio that we're probably the path to ease, the, the least resistance is probably down for the time being because there's no catalyst that I can foresee that will help drive it up. I mean, we don't have earnings reports anymore because the earnings season is pretty much behind us. Okay, earnings season means all the reports coming out of the second quarter. You know, we don't have Fed lowering rates coming up shortly. We don't know; they probably will lower rates again. I'm, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure of that, but we don't have it coming up shortly. And then we have the Chinese trade thing. Where's your catalyst for the market to go up? That's what we had to see. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Talk program, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow, and please tell your investor friends or even your friends that are non-investors but may be interested in the show. I'll be in San Jose August 29th, and I'll be in New York City September 19th and 20th. You can register now to meet with me. Go to InvestTalk.com. Good night, everybody.